Genesis chapter 15. Um, we've been studying the, the life of Abraham and tracking with him since um, chapter 12 in this book. Uh, Genesis being the first book of the Old Testament that we find. It's the first of five um, books co called the Pentateuch or the Torah. Uh, the Torah is the Hebrew way of referring to these first five books of the Bible. Um, Moses has been attributed authorship of the book of Genesis. Um, however, many scholars, um, when they look at um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, there are several different uh, critical theories, um, textual uh, theories of who may have um, assisted or penned these first five books, um, having been passed down possibly through oral tradition by Moses. There's, there's, there's so many different things that people like to turn to, especially when they find um, some of the earliest manuscripts of these first five books at different points in time throughout um, the story of of the of humanity really um, beginning in Adam with Adam and Eve um, and so we as the body of Christ we the church um, we don't get lost too much in um, biblical scholarship all right our job as the church is to build the faith of God's people all right um, and so you won't you won't hear your people, your your pastors, bog us down um, in the body of Christ, or when it comes to teaching, um, by going too heavy, too deep um, into discussions of scholarship. Um, what we want to focus on is the text that we have at hand. Um, we are going to continue to place our faith and our trust in the authorship of Moses. Okay. Um, because that is the most essential thing for us as believers and as Christians is to understand God's plan for the history or the story of his people. And really, that is what the Bible aims at doing. Okay, The Bible is not a, a scientific uh, textbook. All right, There are other scientific te textbooks and books on physics. There's a whole bunch of different... Um, kinds of study that is out there in the world, all right? And so the Bible never pretends to be um, a book on science, okay? But the Bible was given to us to demonstrate um, who God is and to tell the story of God and to bring us to the place of recognizing um, who He is in light of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because even before the New Testament was written, we had these Old Testament books. Okay, And in our Bibles that we study, okay, the Protestants, um, people who, who build our faith after um, the great protest of Martin Luther in the 16th century, uh, the, the Christian church, as we're referred to by many, although we're really 
in essence, same as the Catholic Church. Catholics are Christian as well. Um, we're, we're more Protestants because Martin Luther protested some practical things about the way the Catholic Church was practicing or behaving or leading their people. And so there was lots of things that he had uh, problems with. And so he protested by writing 95 theses and he posted them um, on the door of a church in, uh, I believe it was Gutenberg, somewhere there in Germany. And it was right around the time that the printing press was invented. And so somebody took the 95 theses or the protests that Martin Luther, whose name is act, was actually, uh, you know, um, derived from the his his own um, father and mother. Martin Luther, being a, a priest, a Catholic priest, and committed to the Catholic Church, um, just wanted to see some reform. All right. And so in his attempts to bring reform or attention to some of the corruption of the church, someone took those these, those theses that were posted on the church and they, they copied them. And that became literature that spread like wildfire, um, which brought us in the way we, we practice our faith or a form of Christianity as Protestants. Um, Protestants is simply a big family of Christian believers that um, practice the faith simply in a different way from the Catholic Church, okay? So within the Catholic Church or the universal church that we're talking about, understanding that this word Protestant is really um, at play when it's speaking um about the Catholic Church, all right. So that it, it's protesting um, in that in that sense. Um, under the Protestant Church, then you're going to find a whole bunch of other denominations, different types of doctrinal um, branches of the Christian faith, just as well as the Catholic Church gave birth to other um, branches of the Christian faith through Catholicism like the Church of England, okay, or the Anglican Church, so on and so forth. So all of that to say, as we study Scripture, all right, we as the people of God, um, we're not much different from people that we know, people that we work with, that we live with, that we live by. We're not very much different even from family members that may profess um, a different type or form of Christianity. There's the most important thing that we all want to agree on is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a Trinitarian faith, all right? So we're brothers and sisters under the Trinity or under the triune Godhead um, that we learn about in Scripture. Now, <clears throat> let's now... Enter into Genesis 15. Why am I starting off from that point? I'm starting off from this vantage point because Abraham is considered the father of faith. Abraham is a father of faith and 
was chosen by God, not because he did anything special, um, but because God simply chose him. Okay? Um, let's go ahead now and turn to Genesis chapter 15. And then work our way through. The, we're, gonna only, we're only going to study the first six ver verses of Genesis 15 today. All right? Wednesdays is a different pace for us. We slow things down. If there's a burning question that some of you might have, throw your hand up. And let's ask the question, all right? So we can engage in the scripture. We can engage in some discussion, all right? And then we can help each other out as we grow and we, as we learn. So Genesis right here now, chapter 15, we've, we've moved a couple of chapters from when God called Gen um, Abraham into a covenant relationship with him. And the significance of that covenant relationship with Abraham is um, and has everything to do with the, his faith, his belief, his trust in God. Verse 1, it says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, or excuse me, Abram, in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Verse 2. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childish, uh, <laughs> excuse me, childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord. And he credited to him as righteousness. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would bless this time in the word of God. Open our minds, open our hearts, and open our spiritual things to see beautiful things in your law today. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. All right. So we, we've, we finished chapter 14, and we were learning about this war that took place between um, four nations um, against five other nations. Now, when we think of nations and when we think of war and when we think of kings, when we're reading here in the ancient times, you need to understand they are not um, kingdoms as you may think. They're more like cities. So a king would establish a city, a fortified city, all right, and he would lead a people. And then that people, however big or small they were, would establish their own kingdom, right? And so we're not talking about massive global wars, right, or kingdoms that we understand and know today because of transportation, because of travel, right? The world has gotten so much smaller in a way for us, right? And here, from our time compared to Abram's, we're talking five, six, seven, yeah, I don't know exactly, 7,000 years from the time of Abraham 
to where we are today. Not a whole lot of time, if you think about it. But back then in ancient, all right, Near East history, you're talking about cities that would come together and war against one another. Basically for people, property, and territory. This land has always been at the center of wars. How many of you know that to be the case? We know that to be the case in Russia right now. Fighting over land because land has resources, right? And so resources lead to wealth, money, all right, and, and people. So here we are. Abram enters into this war basically to save his nephew Lot. And Lot was swept up into a raid by these kings that came together to try and dominate these other kings. Well, Abram hears about this issue, and because of his magnanimity, his generosity, right? We know that Abram gave the, the lush, you know, best piece of land to his nephew Lot when they were growing, and Abram's people and territory was starting to expand. He told Lot, I think it's time we need to divide up. You need your own space. I need my own space. And so Lot said, okay, that's fine. And Abram, being the, the good uncle that he was, he gave, he gave Lot the best, the, the, the choice land, right, and, and sent him off with livestock and, and make sure that he was well taken care of. Had a big heart for Lot. And then Lot and his people end up getting swept up into this huge raid. And Abram hears about it by one of his servants, one of his messengers, and says, all right, here we go. We got to go help my nephew. We got to help. We got to go help our, you know, basically like family, his son. And so he goes and they send 300, you know, fierce, trained warriors to go and and to run down these kings. So these were these were like assassins. Abraham was able to round up a whole bunch of people that were like assassins. And they go and were able to bring all the property back, give Lot everything that be belonged to him, and all of the all of the the booty, all of the 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 plunder, uh, much much articles of 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 gold and silver, clothing, weaponry, whole different kinds of technology and instruments are then gathered and given back to these sets of kings that they went to war with. And then we read the story of the high priest Melchizedek, right? So here we are now. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing us back up to speed so we can understand what Genesis 15 means. And why it starts off in this way. Verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. I want to break down verse 1. First by saying, whenever the word of the Lord comes to one of his children, it's because that person is in a relationship with the Lord. And the, 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 the Hebrew word for Lord or Adonai here in Genesis, you're going to start seeing it used a whole lot more from this point forward. And the use of the word Lord brings 
the reader or us as believers into an understanding and into a subservient relationship with God Almighty. In other words, he's not just God, the creator God, father of heaven and earth. He is Lord. Okay. And we are his servants. Okay. Whenever someone has a Lord, it means that you are in a subservient relationship to him. He is our master. And that's what Lord means. The Greek word for, for Lord or master is kurios. Everybody say kurios. All right. Well, here God is Lord to Abraham. All right, and he's bringing him into this relationship where there is this, this personal bond and this personal re relationship between God and man. And whenever someone receives a word from God, it's because of that relationship that you're able to hear the word from God. You can hear the word of, of the Lord and you can discern the word of the Lord and that means understand when God is speaking to you. We can hear the Holy Spirit speaking. And that means we are a son and a daughter of his that are in a loving relationship with God. So that's where we're beginning right here, where it says the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision established by this relationship. Okay. Um, and then it says that this word that came to Abram came in what form? Huh? Vision. So the word came in a vision. By show of hands. How many of you feel that you have ever experienced a vision from the Lord? I've, 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 I've had visions from the Lord. I, we see hands going up. Probably more of us have experienced visions from the Lord and maybe we just didn't recognize it in the way that maybe we're talking about it right now. Or maybe we didn't feel like we heard an audible voice from God speaking to us in that vision. Okay, but there's many different ways that the Lord can bring visions to us, to his people. Okay, so I don't want to gloss over this and just jump to verse 6, because verse 6 is one of the most important verses in all the Bible of this chapter. And I, I, and I purposefully didn't want to just dive into that, because I feel like we, we spend a lot of time in, in chapter 15, verse 6, especially when it comes to Paul, especially when it comes to Christ, and we're talking about faith. But I wanted to talk about this idea of the word coming from the Lord to his people. In this case, to Abram, the first person that he established a covenant with. Okay? I wrote, a, I wrote a thought right here. Purpose, the purpose of a vision has everything to do with where you currently are and where God wants you to be. That's what vision is. Vision is us seeing something that is forward that has forward trajectory. That's what a vision does. A vision brings us forward based on where you are. So a vision is not meant to leave you where you are or leave you stuck. A vision that God gives you, a vision from the Lord is meant to bring you in a positive movement forward where growth is involved, right? 
where the Lord is leading us forward, where the Lord sometimes is pulling us forward. So in other words, God saw where Abram was in his faith. He was just a budding believer. He was a young believer. I'm not going to call him a Christian, per se, because we know that Abram, all right, was the father of the faith. There wasn't a formalized religion. There wasn't a formalized faith. There wasn't doctrine here involved. It was as raw as it gets. It was as basic as it It was as Holy Spirit, raw, dripping with the power of God. Which is so important for us as Christians to not forget that we have to be tapped into God. We have to experience God's rawness and his power and to be able to even strip sometimes all the religious stuff, all this Christian ease, things about Christianity. We get to sometimes lose all of that stuff if you want to stay in the, 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 the tight grip that God has a sin. Because sometimes it's that, it's that, that, that power that he has stored up for us that we have to see possessed by people in scripture even before Moses, before the Jews, before all the scriptures were written, before the New Testament, before Paul wrote, before Jesus, we're talking about people who just had this crazy relationship with God and were just kind of just going. Well, God saw these people who were just going and living, and this living started to take them into this heathenistic, this, this kind of a pagan way of life where it was violent, and it was bloody, and it was, there was greed. It was lawlessness. And God wanted to bring this world, his own creation, kind of and start forming it and bringing it into being and to start developing it. So we see that taking place here with this man named Abram who we're watching and we're learning from and we're reading about. And God comes to him in a vision. This vision now is meant to meet him where he is and to keep bringing him forward so that Abraham doesn't just stop developing or stop growing, right, in his faith. When wherever somebody receives a vision, it means that God's involved. That's another very, very simple, very basic, very practical point. If you're in a... a a relationship with the Lord, and he's starting to speak to you in dreams, in visions, in, in signs, in different things. It means that that person is involved in a relationship with God that is already now being established. And did you know that God can give visions to people who are not Christians? Sometimes people forget that. Christians forget that. Now all of a sudden you're, you know, we as Christians are have some kind of badge, some kind of, you know, some kind of medallion, some kind of medal you can just put on your, your coat, on your shirt. And, you know, no, man, God's not that. You know, God, God is so big. God's beyond our understanding. 
Which is why we have so many words and so many ideas and so many concepts and so many things to help us understand and learn about God. But it's impossible to fathom the, the immenseness of, of who God is. It's impossible. We fail even as Christians. We fail even in understanding everything that there is to know about God. We just do our best. We do our best to live the life that he has directed us toward and we're moving in. Right? So, so God sees Abraham where he is and he wants to pull him forward. And, and now he's starting to discern the word of God. Okay, now I want you to write this Hebrew word down if you have your journal. Okay? It's the word dabar. Dabar. Everybody say dabar. Dabar in Hebrew means to speak or it also means a word. And the word here, when it says that the Lord, uh, the word of the Lord came to Abram, it, it means um, daber. It's, it's, uh, the word is daber. And then it continues on um, in giving to us this vision that God gave to Abram. All right. Um, a D-A-B-A-R, dabar. Good question. Okay, so as we, as we continue on, God's word comes to Abram. All right, now we're going to kind of dissect chapter, uh, verse 1, part B. All right, verse 1, part B. And this is what the quotation now after the word vision. He says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your very great reward. Okay, so the fact that God is now addressing fear, all right, with Abram, calls him by name, what does that mean to us? What does that tell us about what Abram was experiencing at that point, that moment when the vision came to him? Something great? Not yet. He was scared. Correct. But, and if we stay in the context of what we see beginning in chapter 12, right, in Abram's relationship with Lot, we're also going to see that after Abram rescues his nephew Lot, that at this point in time, the fear that he is maybe experiencing is showing that Abram is learning how to trust in God, not seeing the results um, that he ultimately is going to experience, right, after the adoption proceeding of chapter 12. So we're, we're still only a, a very short time, a very short time from when God calls him and says, now I'm going to call you blessed. You're blessed to be a blessing, all right? I'm going to make your children as, 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 um, as, as the stars in the sky and the, the, Sand on the seashore, right? He says, your children are going to be forever, right? Um, and so that's the promise that he gave Abram. Yet Abram wasn't seeing the results of all of those things yet. As a matter of fact, he's still facing trials, 
right? We know that he's been at places in his life where he had to lie. He had to lie and tell his wife to tell people that that she was his sister. So when, when we learn about people of the faith, and what I love about Scripture is that Scripture is not trying to hide from us some of the details about Abram's life. He was a man who had flaws. He was a man who was scared. He was a man who did fear. He was a man who still was learning about trusting in God. Does that sound familiar? I don't know about you, but sounds a lot like me. Sounds a lot like my journey. May sound like a lot like yours. No matter how long you've 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 been walking in the faith, no matter no matter how long you've been a Christian. You know, to me, there's still moments and there's nothing there's nothing sinful about being afraid. There's nothing wrong with being fearful. Matter of fact, being afraid, matter of fact, having fear means that you're normal. And sometimes it brings brings out the best in us. Our bodies have a certain stress level that when that adrenaline and that that fight or flight kicks in, some some of us are at our best. So so many people procrastinate. Because that procrastination brings about a greater sense of focus, a greater sense of concentration, a greater sense of stress, a greater sense of competitiveness, right? And all of a sudden, our gears, you know, get into motion, and all of a sudden, some of us work at our best, and some of those high pressure, but that stems from fear. And so we see right here that Abram was beginning to worry, still waiting on God, knowing that he was God's beloved son, okay? Knowing that God's word is true, but understanding for us as believers that our faith and our growth in in our faith and our development, it takes time. Which is why we need to trust sometimes the guidance by other people that have gone a few miles um, before us may have traveled a few miles before us. That's where wisdom comes in. That's where wisdom kicks in. All right? Because we have to trust. We have to trust God's plan and God's God's work. We know that Abram is still, at the end of the day, on his own. He's at the top of the pyramid of his own of his own family. He's a patriarch. Somebody say patriarch. Right now there's a big movement trying to eliminate the patriarch in the family, in the body of Christ, in the faith. It's not a good one. Not a good movement. The patriarch, all right, or the the priestly responsibility and calling over the man in his home, in his family, in society and culture, is a good thing, okay? And it's not to absolve, or excuse me, it's not to say anything negative about um, women or how God wants to use women, no. But it's simply to um, remind us, just as in Abram's case, 
that God is moving in such a way to continue to build up the people of God in this, in this orderly way that Scripture has laid out for us. Okay? Um, but going back to the original point of Abram, in chapter 13, we, we see how, how Abram is kind of setting out and embarking on this new journey, not knowing where he is going. He doesn't have a destination in mind. Okay? In chapter 13, verse 17, if you turn back there a couple of chapters, look what it says right there in verse 17. It says, Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. Okay? So when we talk about the length and the breadth, of the land we're talking about at any point in time he's facing danger at any point in time he's facing um, nations kings other people groups all right um, barbaric peoples all right other nomads that are ruthless bloodthirsty looking to conquer looking to take whatever they can, men, women, children, and make people their subjects. So Abram, who was at the apex of his own people, he's at the head of his people, and he wasn't a nation state. He wasn't a king. Okay? He didn't, he didn't have a whole hierarchy or system or structures set up. He didn't have, you know, a whole bunch of, he didn't have an army. Like we learn about later that the Israelites established and developed like other nation states. Abram was a nomad. For all intents and purposes, you guys, he was a, he was a shepherd. He cared for livestock. He cared for sheep, cows, right? Goats. That's what he did. He was a nomad. He was a Bedouin. All right? He was from... Ur of the Chal uh, Chaldees, from the Chaldean lands, from present-day Iraq, all right? And that's where he's traveling in the desert and all, these all this wilderness. But he's subject to the elements. He's subject to raids, right? And we read about this in chapter 14. So it's very, very likely that Abram was facing a whole lot of danger. We don't read about all of the other things that he faces because the book of Genesis is meant to bring us through the paces of him growing in his faith. All right? As it pertains to us as the people of God. All right? But there's a reason why he receives this vision, you guys. And in this vision, God says, don't be afraid. And then he says, I am your shield. It's another reason why we need to we need to take serious and understand the fact that there was some legitimate concerns about his own personal safety and the safety of his people. But you have to, you have to understand the context of what Abram was trying to develop, protect, and to build. He's trying to build a people, according to God's promise, that they would be numerous, 
right? And he's like trying to trust God, all right, even though he's lying and telling his wife to tell her to tell other people that, you know, they're, they're brother and sister, right? He's still learning about the things of God. Now, when the Lord says, I am your shield, it's because he really needed to trust in God for protection. And a shield, it wasn't, it doesn't say tower. It doesn't say wall. Okay? It says shield. And a shield, um, according to our understanding, is something that you got to hold on to. It's something that you have to stay behind. And so God's saying, don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. I'm your protector. I will go before you. Wherever you go, stay behind me. Don't get ahead of me. What happens if we come from behind the shield? What happens if we come from behind the shield? You're unprotected. You're subject to all kinds of mayhem. If we start walking outside of God's will, we start walking in sin, we start listening to the world, you're walking from behind the shield of God. We're, that means we are leaving God's protection. It's when we face the things of this world and encounter things that we weren't meant to have to deal with, right? And life is full of those kinds of things, right? And today, we're not talking about, you know, oh, when you're a Christian, you're, you know what? You just stay behind the shield and nothing's ever going to happen to you. Nothing bad is ever. We know that's not what we're talking about right here. We're talking about the, the, the man or woman of faith intentionally, purposefully, Remaining in a relationship and in a covenant with God and allowing the word of God, which is our faith, to be what goes before us. Allowing the word of God to go before us and applying the word of God to our lives. Speaking life. Speaking by faith. Allowing the things of God that he shows us, that he teaches, that he demonstrates us, that we experience to be a part of the very word of God and to be the shield that he is establishing and that it's going before us. He tells Abram, who just came out of this huge war of saving his, his nephew Lot. And, 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 and then this is another interesting point that we have to pay attention to. All of the plunder... That, that Abram collected from this war that, um, that, that he waged on these other, these other army, these other um, peoples and kings. He gave all the plunder away. Instead of keeping it for himself, he gave all of it away. Now, I'm like, Abram, are you a fool? You read those stories of somebody who found a, a bag full of 
money, stacks of money, hundred thousand dollars, like they take it back to the they take it to the police station. And Abram says, I don't want it, I don't want it to be established that I became rich on anybody else's watch. Right there, it's Abram demonstrating his faith. Right there, it's Abram giving material wealth back to who it belongs to and making a conscious decision to trust in God. A conscious decision to do it the hard way, to do it the right way, to not take shortcuts, right? Um, I'm going to break in a little a little personal kind of like family story. I know we're spending a lot of time here in the in. The, the message part, but maybe to convey this this thought, um, my, my all three of my children right now are training in track and field, and more specifically, I'll, I'll focus on my oldest son who's 16, and he's a he's a darn good athlete, but he wants to achieve some certain things in in sports and athletics, and so um, he's trying to get faster, not for the sake of running in track meets. But he's trying to get faster because he thinks that it'll it'll help him achieve certain goals in his pursuit or journey in at athletics. And so <clears throat> he's been training for like three months. And, you know, we're having conversations, you know, and kind of like, hey, man, dad, am, am I getting faster? You know, hey, you know, you're looking good. You know, you keep it up. And today we were down at um, Discovery Well Park in Signal Hill. And they, they run that big hill called hill, on Hill Street, right next to the park. We're starting at the bottom of Obispo. Um, and my Lola, too. So 16-year-old, my 14-year-old boy, Judah, and then my 6-year-old daughter. And Lola's halfway up the hill. She's running and she's crying. <laughs> she's, I don't want to do this. Why are you making me do this? But it's my oldest son who's doing it, and he's, he's wanting to see results. And my point is, is sometimes in life, we want to see results right away. Sometimes we, we give our life to God. Sometimes we, we give our life to Jesus. You know, we start going to church. We start spending time in the Word of God. We start praying. Um, and then we want to see everything in our world, everything in our life, like, turn around right away. We want to th- well, all of a sudden we just, we, we just want to see you know clear skies and you know beautiful rays of sunlight you know breaking in like a movie and like, you know Hollywood style. But in actuality, life our lives are more like having to go to war, having to learn to trust in God and not lie, like Abram, having to put in the work like I'm time like I'm telling you about my kids training for track and field and these kids they had to do 10 10 hills from from bottom to top and for some of them it's like what's the point of this they're going to go to the track meet this week and probably none of them are going to get any faster than they were last week they're probably going to all be around the same marks you know who am i to talk about track right my mother-in-law is right here she's the, the, the best athlete probably in our whole church former athlete still is mama two-time olympian and so they're not going to see these results until a later date 
my my oldest probably not going to see results in terms of speed and all this stuff until like probably a year from now if he sticks with it. And the problem with sometimes us in the faith and people who are just looking for a quick fix and just looking for something to try and make them feel better is people just try things and then they just let it go real quick. It may take 10 years. It may take 20 years to see the things that God really wants to do. I mean, here we are generations and generations and generations and thousands of years from Abram. And just think about how, how long it took to get from Abram to Christ, to Jesus, and how many generations there, there were there. We're talking about a process that sometimes we as Christians want to hurry up. We want things to turn around. We want things to get better. We want our material world in our lives to get better. But there is no get-rich-quick scheme in the faith. As a matter of fact, God may make it harder on you in life in order to bring about a greater truth, a greater purpose. Pastor T was talking about it a couple weeks ago. That problem that we face for believers oftentimes is the very thing that will make you great and make you who, you, who God intends for you. Watch this. Not to be, but to become. And that's the emphasis on the vision. That's the emphasis on the word that we have to be seeking and looking for and hearing from God in our daily pursuit, in a daily walk with him. Don't get bored in your faith. If you're looking for something to occupy your day, if you're looking for something to, st to break into your boredom, sometimes, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest, your faith, it may not be the thing. You may have to take up kickboxing to do that. You may have to, you may have to take up some other thing to break into the monotony of life or the rut that you may be, be in or the place that you're in. You may have to talk to a Christian psychologist or therapist in order to, to break out of the rut or the place that we've been stuck in relationally and immature and not, and not growing. Because we have the Word of God and we have the Holy Spirit and we have our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But sometimes the hard work that we have to do, sometimes it looks very different than what you and I think. We're learning about this man named Abram. Right? The father of the faith, his, na his name is later changed to Abraham, right? The father of many nations, right? And th the thing that I want us to understand is Abraham, Abraham had to learn how to stay behind God and not get ahead of him. We're going to see here in a couple of chapters, he wasn't very successful at that. Uh, sometimes, too, with Sarah and, and trying to get ahead of the game, and, you know, jumping the gun. You guys know what I'm talking about? When he and his wife, Sarah, right? Um, and, and, and right here in verses 1 through 6, God promises that he's going to give him a, a child from his own body. He says, Eliezer is not going to be the one who inherits everything that I promised to you, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. And then he goes out and he shows him and demonstrates to him. And then Abram believed. 
Abram believed. And so the, the, the big point, the big point for tonight is trust the process. Trust the process. Um, let our theology and our understanding and our faith speak to our philosophies of life instead of the other way around. Don't let your philosophies of life dictate or govern your faith, what you think about God, and how you want to live. It's got to be the other way around. We got to start back with the point of faith. Very simple, very basic, very rustic, very raw, just like Abram. Don't put time limits or timetables on yourself, on your family, on your loved one, on your spouse that you're praying for, that you may be ahead of in, in the faith. Don't put timetables on all that. Trust God. Trust the process. Trust that the Lord is your shield. And watch this. And your great reward. And what is a reward? Someone, someone says prize, gift. Yeah, what else? What else is a reward? What was that? Growth? Absolutely. What else? Something you earn. We're getting, we're, we're, we're moving. We're getting closer to where. What else is in a reward? Do you get your reward at the beginning? At the what? At the end. The Lord tells Abram, I am your great reward. He's saying this, you're not going to get everything that I have for you now. Are you guys okay with that? Are you okay with that? Are you okay with learning to be patient, faithful? We want it now though, right? Dang, I do too. I want it now. I want to see results now. I want to see my son be just like blazing, you know, world-class speed now, right? Because we want to see them succeed, right? You think God's interested in all that? He's got a different plan. His vision for us, his vision for you, his vision for me, his vision for you, it's so much different than what we even think in our own minds. We think we know what we want. But then he, he, he breaks in like he does to Abram, and he's just like, I'm trying to, I'm, I got a vision for you. And God doesn't always show you everything out there. He just takes you to the, he takes you to the edge of the, 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 the edge of the world, and he says, you see all that? That's yours. But you can't go and enjoy it all now. I'm going to take you from place to place. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that God took Abram. Abram left his father's place. Abram left his father's country. He left everything that he knew. He left his comfort. And the Bible says that God said, and I will show you where I will take you, where you are going. I will show you. God shows us just a little bit at a time. And we have to be okay with that. We got to be okay with that. If not, we're going to be frustrated. 
by our own doing. Um, we'll look for other things to entertain ourselves. We'll look to sin to fulfill the things that we, we believe in our own hearts are not fulfilling us. And so that's why the things of God are so much more difficult and it's not for the weak of heart, not for the weak in faith, and definitely not for the, those who are weak-minded. The faith really is for the faithful, the ones who remain. You don't see the reward. You can't enjoy the reward until you've remained, until you've re just remained and you've been rooted and you've been established. And you look back 20 years from now and you go, whoa, that's God. That's the God we serve. Not the one you see on YouTube. Not the Christianity you see on Instagram. It's not the faith. It's not the shiny stuff that the world thinks that it is. It's the mundane. It's the boring. It's the hard. It's the troubles. It's the discipline. It's the grinding it out. It's the duking it out with the Lord. It's becoming a friend. It's in becoming a friend with God. And I think that's where God's taking us. God's learning us. He's teaching us. It ain't a sprint. This is a marathon. This is, this is, this is a long journey. And we got a long road ahead. But he's our shield, and we don't have to be afraid. He's in control. And he's our great reward. The payoff is amazing. The payoff is worth it. When, when we learn to love one another, when husbands and wives learn to love and respect one another, and our children grow up in that love and that respect and that hard work and that grind, you know, and even though you may be rich or monetarily wealthy, you make your kids work and earn it. You don't give them the whole world and ruin them and spoil them. You let them learn and grow and take their lumps too. You guys, you guys tracking with me? The, the faith is beautiful. And, uh, and God is, is beautiful. He's amazing. He's amazing. So um, how many of us are... are ready to say, Lord, you know, maybe I thought it was different. Maybe I thought it was going to look different. Maybe I thought things were going to all of a sudden just, wow, miraculously turn around now. But I'm seeing that it's a journey and we're in process and he's working on us and we got to be patient and we got to trust him and we have to be ready for the journey ahead. If that's us, if that's you, it's a good place to be. If you're struggling with it, it's a good place to be. It's a good place to be. Lord, sometimes I struggle with it, Lord. I struggle with wanting things now, wanting to see results. I'm, I'm mission-oriented. I'm achievement-oriented. I'm, I'm driven by 
seeing good things happen and wanting to attach my identity and my purpose to all these these things lord and but those are the, the those are not the true rewards that you're talking about those are the rewards of the world those are material things that are fleeting and that that disappear and that disappear in a second lord but it's our trust and our relationship with you lord that truly matters that lasts it's the kingdom of god lord jesus it's it's understanding lord that you have something completely different in store and completely different in mind while teaching us these lessons through life so lord i pray as we we as a people continue to grow lord that you would give us wisdom you give us wisdom from above we thank you for abram for demonstrating to us that we don't have to be perfect but that we have to remain steadfast and faithful and we have to learn from our mistakes and try not to make the same mistakes over and over again. Forgive us for our sins, Lord. Forgive us for trying to rush you. Forgive us for putting unnecessary stresses and pressures and expectations on ourselves and, and others around us. Help us to have more uh, of a healthy understanding so we could live a, a healthier life a more God-filled life, a more faith-filled and trust-filled life. Lord Jesus, where we can be more present and probably more effective and more powerful um, and useful in your hands. And so, Lord, take us from this place, but never from your presence. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you.